my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people. In an unscripted, unvarnished way, is getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine, and I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. iHeartRadio presents Podversations, a weekly discussion with the biggest names and influencers in podcasting. Want to learn the secret psych-up ritual Scrub stars Zach Braff and Donald Faison use before every fake doctor's real friends taping? How Vice News parachutes into war zones to rescue journalists from life-threatening situations? Or why Keegan-Michael Key and Blumhouse believe 3D audio is the future of storytelling? Whether you're a newbie trying to break into the podcast game or an exec trying to refine your playbook, Podversations is the easiest way to keep your pulse on the industry. Welcome back to the iHeart Podcast Speaker Series. I'm Will Pearson, president of iHeart Podcast. Always good to be with you. As you know, each week we get a chance to chat with one of our favorite producers or podcasters or thinkers in the space and talk about a show that we are just obsessed over right now. And so today we get a chance to do that. When I heard that we were going to be doing a podcast or at least talking about a podcast with Billy Mann, longtime Grammy-nominated songwriter, record producer, creative executive, the guy has been involved in over 125 million albums sold. So it's just an unbelievable track record. I thought we might 
might be going in one direction with the podcast. And I was thrown a curveball. And I'm so happy that I was thrown a curveball when we got a chance to understand what this podcast was all about. And it's called Yeah, I Fucked That Up. And we're allowed to say that on this show here. So we're going to get a chance to talk to Billy about that. But Billy, always good to see you. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Will. I'm excited that we can curse freely <laughs> when we're recording. We're, we're, we're adults, Billy. We, we can do whatever <laughs> we want on this show. Now, that's the beauty of podcasting. So like I said, it was fun to see this concept because sometimes you expect one thing coming. And again, you've been involved in the music industry for a long time. I just love sitting down every once in a while looking at the roster of people that you've worked with from Burt back to John Legend, to Celine Dion, to Cher, Backstreet Boys, Josh Groban. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And so I'm curious to hear from you. When you decided to start a podcast, what made you think to go in a pretty different direction with this? Well, I think it's twofold. First, thanks for having me. Secondly, I think the experience being a record producer and a songwriter, the Captain Obvious response is, I'm going to do a podcast about music. But so much of what you do when you're in the studio with artists, most of whom at this point in my career are celebrities, is creating a safe place for them to be themselves. And you want to, and you want to capture that moment. And what people don't see, which I am lucky enough to see, is the more vulnerable moments that a lot of celebrities and artists have and you just don't find celebrities who are constantly in a state of judgment allowed the room to forget brag about failure but talk openly about failure because every day that you're posting on social media or you do an interview or you're on tour or go to the store to buy milk you are being judged and watched and i just I have gotten to see a lot of famous people that are in my life in a very not famous way. And like all of us, they fuck up. They are making mistakes. They're trying to figure out how to navigate being human. And maybe they're navigating it in a car that's nicer than mine, or they've got clothing that's fancier, or they've got glam squads when they go out for date night. But in the end, they're doing the same thing that we're doing. And that was really the first piece of it. And I just thought it'd be interesting. And the second piece is really based on one of my kids who has learning differences and suffered from terrible paralysis when he would fuck up on a test or he made a mistake on something. And I kept trying to explain to him, you know, if you want to be successful at anything, you're going to fail. You're going to fall down before you get to run. You know, we first we crawl and then we walk and then we run and then we fly. But you don't really think about that when you want to do everything right. And it's impossible to do that. And yet we are all living in a world, Will, where everybody is posting a highlight reel of everything, me included. And so, yeah, I fucked that up. Is like, can I get, I mean, the first question is, can I get enough celebrity style people willing to actually talk openly? And I hope that at least the people listening to this understand that the motivation is not to have like a gotcha moment with somebody who's famous, but more to show just how relatable it all is for everybody. And it's a side that people don't see. And frankly, even people who aren't famous don't go into work and say, I really fucked up this morning with my partner or my friend or my kid, but yeah. we're all doing Doing it, we're just not talking about it. Yeah, to that point, saying we're not talking about it. I loved hearing the comment from Kelly Rowland when she basically said, Nobody's ever asked me this question before. You know, and <laughs> I thought that that was just so bizarre. And did you find that in most of these interviews that you've been doing? Are you commonly getting that, like, you know what? I've, I've, I've not really had a chance to step back and talk about this before. Is that a pretty consistent thing? Well, I think most celebrities and artists are constantly in a state of promotion 
mode yeah. when they're out doing interviews. And you know, nobody knows that better than iHeart. You get called, oh, this artist is in cycle. How do we coordinate them going on this show with this jingle ball or this function? So part of it is freeing them from an obligation to sell. And that's step one. And step two is trying to just use my record producer skills to create an environment for the conversation that is free of judgment, which is, I mean, we're all being judged all the time, but to prompt someone like Kelly, who's been famous since she was a teenager, you know, even someone like L.A. Reid, who's been reluctantly famous and then embraced the fact that he's a public person, you know, it's an adjustment to talk about these things because if you volunteer failure, we're already judged, then it's like you're giving people ammunition to further bury you. And that's the misconception. So I think Kelly's view, even with Michael Bolton, was like, surprisingly meaningful to me because Michael is a guy who's been, I think he would say openly, someone who's been at the forefront of pop culture and also been in many respects marginalized and you know, someone that you would say you'd make a joke about Michael and he's had to endure all of that. But the behind the scenes of Michael's life, I mean, nobody knows that Michael Bolton lived on food stamps while he was raising his daughters. I mean, there are things that he talked about that were so meaningful to listen to that you don't think of someone like Michael Bolton's going to talk about these things. So hopefully when people listen to this, not only does it make us all feel a little bit more normal, but it also humanizes the celebrities that they know one way. And then they realize that they're also going through stuff or have been through stuff where they feel like they've fucked up. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people. In an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine, and I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Get ready for Smart Money Happy Hour. Pull up a chair. It's the happy hour you wish your friends were having. Mix two money experts with some hot takes and a splash of nostalgia. And you get me, George Camel. And me, Rachel Cruz, talking unfiltered about what's going on in the world, pop culture, and how to afford a life you love. We're talking money, celebrity budgets, and my budget for my two French Bulldogs. It's a lot. <laughs> You'll hear it all on Smart Money Happy Hour. Listen on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's The Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela Yee is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> awesome. Ooh. 
not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yimby's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Oh. Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. I've never heard those stories. You know, I, I was actually going to bring up the Michael Bolton conversation around some of those struggles and the conversation that you guys had around the idea of taking yourself seriously. And a lot of times with people who are celebrities, we're often left with the impression that certain celebrities take themselves too seriously. And sometimes it's refreshing and sort of an interesting peek into somebody's mind, this idea that, you know, again, some of these huge names still struggle with these same self-doubt when these same things that are obstacles within themselves to success. But yeah, wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that conversation with Michael Bolton and sort of how he's navigated that and found himself, you know, where he is today. I think part of it with Michael is he's gone through a series of cycles, right? I mean, for him, he didn't have his first hit song as an artist until he was in his 30s. And in today's world, everything is so young. It's like, Half of the pop stars, you know, you would never, I don't say never, but it's very, we'd all be hard pressed to think the next big pop star is 30 something raising three daughters. You know, I want to say I see it, but I don't. And I don't think any of us that now it's like so-and-so was on this TV show and they're a teenager and all of a sudden our kids are dressing like whoever that is, or there's this worship. I think Michael on the one hand had an appreciation for this amazing opportunity that he had later because he was singing jingles, right? And all of a sudden he listened to his first hit song on the radio and right after he was singing like a be all you can be army commercial and they had to decide between is he going to be a pop singer and roll the dice or is he going to take away the one steady income stream he's had to raise his kids so i think part of his taking things so seriously will is the fear of losing the opportunity for his girls it took a minute in our conversation to get to that because i think when he was examining his own fuck-ups like what does he wish he maybe had done a better job doing. He wasn't thinking I should have done a better job with business. He wasn't thinking I should have cut my hair earlier or later. He wasn't talking about any of the sort of buzz pop stuff. Really looking at the time he maybe didn't get enough time with his daughters when he started to do well. And then he realizes now I can't get that time back. I think we all go through that in some ways. You know, we're not just workaholics, but you know, my mom worked two jobs when we were kids. And like in the morning, if I got a note, have a good day with three boxes of cereal and a bowl. That was my mom's way of being a mom to me. But I think we're all trying to keep the balls rolling. And I think for him, his taking himself so seriously was, I think, born out of a fear of losing the opportunity and being back on food stamps. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that we talked about, you know, sort of the view that we see. And you mentioned social media and the idea that we're projecting one thing, but having certain struggles that are happening behind the scenes, I guess, to some extent, celebrities experience that to an an amplified degree, this idea of a very public life and then what's going on in your real life. I thought it was a fascinating conversation when you talk about this idea of living a double life. And I was curious if you could, you know, talk about that or maybe even some of the conversations that you had around this idea. I've discovered from doing this podcast that people generally have three lives. They have their public life, they have their private life, and they have their secret life. And I think all of us sort of go through life like outward facing 
facing, if you're selling something, you're on your job, you're playing a role. Hopefully you love it. And if you don't love it, you have to at least do your best to love it for what you can do for your family or yourself. And then your private life is like who you roll with when you get home and who you kick it with and watching your favorite sport or a movie or a podcast. And then your secret life is, you know, what we're struggling with or what we really love that maybe is a little weird. Getting through there is hard. And I had a conversation with Shelly Wright. I don't know if people remember, but Shelly Wright in the 90s was the absolute like country music. She was everything. Kansas farm raised Kansas girl, beautiful, play guitar, sing, wanted to go to Nashville and become a famous singer. And she did that. She went to Nashville and she got a deal. And her number one hit was a song called Called single white female. She and Brad Paisley were like the royal couple of country music. And the night she won the ACM award for best female artist. Now you have to remember, this is in the 90s. This is a Kansas farm girl, country singer, doughy eyed, like just happy to be there. Like, oh my gosh, my dreams have come through. Brad Paisley's like, her boyfriend, this is like the Jessica Simpson, Nick Lachey of country music, right? Minus the tuna fish. And all of a sudden, you know, she goes home and the whole time Shelly Wright is a lesbian and tells no one except she's in a gay relationship and she knows or feels that if she tells her family, if she tells her record label that her whole life is over and talking to her I was breathless listening to her because her version of fucking up was really not being herself. And so much of the themes, not Shelly, that's one level of the double life. But I think what I've learned is everyone I've spoken to has their own micro version of it. Either they're not listening to what their inner voice is telling them to do. It's like, I got this opportunity to do X and inside you think, I don't know if I should do this. And on the outside, you do it anyway. And then when it doesn't work, your outside voice goes to your inside voice and says, why did you let me do it? And I think Shelly's story was, I mean, very powerful. But in other ways, you heard that from other guests. Like, you know, Evan Handler, people know from Californication and Sex in the City. He plays Harry Goldblatt, Charlotte's husband in Sex in the City. And he's bald, right? And he's known as this bald guy who's a brilliant actor. But what people don't know is when you talk about his fuck-ups, he has some career moments. And by the way, some hilarious moments about when he has done sex scenes. Like, if anybody listening to this has seen Evan Handler in any of these shows, some of the conversation with him was so funny around that topic. But what people don't know is when we talk about I fucked that up or moments of self-doubt, the reason he's bald is because right on the eve of his Broadway career exploding and he was in Neil Simon's Six Degrees of Separation, he was diagnosed with a rare cancer and he had a 10% chance of living. And this is as a young guy. So the reason that Evan Handler is bald is because his hair never grew back after he conquered cancer. So we see one thing in the celebrities, and they are all putting out there through social media and press and red carpets, all of their highlight reel moments. But I'm learning so much listening to these famous people talk about these human moments. It makes me love them more and also feel slightly more normal. Yeah, I mean, I would say for every conversation that I've heard, I think I've listened to five of the episodes so far. And in each one, these are people that I've heard interviewed in many cases, dozens of times. And it feels like such a different approach here and a different kind of conversation. And I've loved that. And I assume that that was part of the goal here in terms of doing that. I'm curious, just in terms of the podcast format, why do this as a podcast? What is it about podcast? 
podcasting that you feel has helped this work in the way that it has? I don't know another format where this would work. I think podcasting and as someone that listens to a lot of podcasts, you know, there's a lot of podcasts that talk about this thing happened. What do I do now? Right. And there are a lot of podcasts that I don't want to say a lot. Everybody has their own thing, just like there's a lot of songs and a lot of artists. But what I wanted to figure out was one, how am I going to get people who are famous or notable in a way to talk openly about their feelings, about failure, about falling down and being embarrassed? And podcasts, you know, you can roll out of bed and be in your sweatpants in the studio. And I'm not worried about glam squads. And I'm not worried about all of a sudden there's a camera and then there's all these other expectations. So I think podcast has been a really healthy platform where I can talk to people and they feel less judged than maybe they would on a, a traditional talk show. And I think that that has created a safe place for people to feel comfortable talking. I mean, think of how many Zooms you and I and everybody listening to this have been on when COVID and everything shifted in the world. And I think even in terms of today's political climate, talking to one another is hard, ironically, given how the proliferation of podcasts and conversations and dialogues. And yet somehow when we talk about these more sensitive areas in us, there are a few vehicles for this. And I don't know why, but I feel like this format is giving people a freedom to express and talk about their feelings in a way. And maybe it's because they're less judged than if they were on a talk show being grilled under bright lights. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Get ready for Smart Money Happy Hour. Pull up a chair. It's the happy hour you wish your friends were having. Mix two money experts with some hot takes and a splash of nostalgia. And you get me, George Campbell. And me, Rachel Cruz, talking unfiltered about what's going on in the world, pop culture, and how to afford a life you love. We're talking money, celebrity budgets, and my budget for my two French Bulldogs. It's a lot. <laughs> You'll hear it all on Smart Money Happy Hour. Listen on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, and when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. You know, sometimes the word intimate is overused a bit when describing podcasts, but that's probably because it's really accurate. You know, there's something about that connection, not only for the person being interviewed and the conversation that's happening there, but for the person sitting at home or the person on their jog or cooking dinner or whatever while they're listening, feeling right there in it. And you guys have nailed it already. A lot of times podcasts take a while to sort of hit that stride in terms of capturing that. But each of the conversations that that I've heard you have here just really show showcase this incredible connection and a willingness for the talent or the people that you're talking to to be more vulnerable. And uh, so I think you're bringing something that I hope is a benefit to people as they listen to it. And speaking of that, just in terms of helping other people, not fully related to the podcast, although you mentioned your kids earlier and the fact that you watch your kids struggle a little bit and that might have provided some inspiration behind all of this. We shouldn't go without talking about the work that you and your family have done to provide community to support for families with special needs, whether they be kids or other family members. And one just wanted to say thanks for all the work that you've done on that front. I know you have two kids that are on the autism spectrum. And I just think it's amazing the work you've done as busy as you are in your professional life to have taken the time that you guys have taken to really give back in every way you can. And I wanted to see if you could share the story. And you talk a lot about everything that you've achieved, or you think about all the things that you've achieved. But the thing that you're most proud of is one of those moments where you get a chance to recognize what you've accomplished for a group that really needs it. Can you talk for a minute about the moment in the Oval Office and the opportunity that you got there? Well, first off, thank you for acknowledging that we're in the entertainment business where you find a lot of folks who are of means and get to a certain altitude and they do charity work and then they have to name it after themselves. And it's like, if your name is John Smith, it's like the John Smith wing of the, and I like the anonymous element of it. And one of the things that happened, my oldest son has no expressive language. So it's one in 35 kids are being diagnosed on the autism spectrum. And it's a huge spectrum, by the way, there are including my younger son is successful going to college, driving, loves music and building a life. And his pace. And I would say to anybody listening to this, you know, every journey is unique. But with my older son, and who's now in his early 20s, there were very few resources and very few options. There was no health insurance coverage. And it's it's a lot for anybody listening to this, who's for sure knows somebody who has autism, a family member, a friend who has a kid, it can be a lot of unknown territory all at once. But where I got involved was I had such an upset reaction to the idea that there was no health insurance coverage for therapies for my son. And even though we could afford it the way I grew up, we couldn't have afforded it. And so as I started to dig a little deeper, my wife and I got active and that led to getting involved in talking to politicians, really, because to move the needle, you have to talk to people. I've never thought of myself getting attached to politicians Eventually, that led to a relationship with President Obama long before he was President Obama and he was junior Senator Obama. And it's important to note that I've talked to everybody. I've spent time with Mitt Romney. I sat with Speaker Boehner. I'll talk to anybody. But I really 
managed to be a part of a lot of people and a lot of organizations collectively to put this front and center and make it front and center, by the way, with George W. Bush, with Obama and continuing forward. But when this authorization for funding, this is too long a story for anybody to listen to, but they invited me to go to the Oval Office for the signing into law. And I said that I wanted to go and bring my son. My son has a lot of behavioral challenges and doesn't have expressive language. But I felt like it was important that a person who's autistic, an individual is there. And I wouldn't have done anything if it wasn't for my son. My son doesn't have the language to tell me things, but he taught me enough to find some courage in myself to try and risk fucking up in the, yeah, I fucked that up spirit of things, at least try. So when the president signed the bill into law for the funding, and he gave the first pen to my son. It was better than any hit song, any plaque that I've ever had. And in my house, I don't have any of my plaques. I'm grateful for all of them, but I don't have any of them in our main living space. The only thing I have is that pen on the wall. So I appreciate you asking me about it because even that is like not easy to broadcast. And I was even told when he was first diagnosed, some people in the music industry said, you know, you shouldn't let people know that you have a child with a disability because you may not get work. They'll feel like you're distracted or not reliable. And that fucked me up for a while. And then thankfully, I really turned the other corner, which is like, not only am I going to talk about it, but I want to do something about it. And just so you know, I heart and Z100 were probably the beginning of that activism for me, the most powerful supporters of awareness, including one of the early Z100 jingle balls where they put the autism charities up on the big screen. And so I'm really grateful to iHeart and you know, Tom Pullman and Alyssa Pollock and Elvis Duran and all of the people in the organization that have always supported that part of my life. Actually, it's important that I say that, uh, you know, whatever happens with a podcast that has a lot more importance than that. Well, I appreciate your saying that. And it's a no brainer to get behind a mission like that. I've loved talking to you about this. I do hope if those watching or listening today, if you haven't checked it out, yeah, I fucked that up. There's so many great conversations. We've talked about a few of them today. Really think you'll enjoy the podcast. But Billy, thanks for taking some time with us. We enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks for the support. And uh, hopefully I, I get better throughout the season because I'm still learning and fucking up along the way. So I do appreciate it. Oh, it's a lot of fun. Well, thanks for joining us today and we'll be back with you next week. Take care. Podversations is a production of iHeartRadio. You can find more from the biggest names in podcasting on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with 
people in an unscripted, unvarnished way is getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. 